Hey everyone, this is Josh Peak. I'm the host of the Josh Peak Show. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, this December 1st, 2019, I interview Austin Howard. Um, I've learned a lot from this young man. He is deep into the e-commerce world uh, when it comes to um, you know having your own store, whether it be Shopify, whether it be Amazon or eBay. And I'm looking to get started. Uh, in this space or going down through this industry with uh, Austin. And so I interview him. He has a lot of knowledge, comes from a very interesting background as far as not your traditional background when it comes to schooling uh, and education. So I think you're really going to enjoy this on many levels, especially if you're interested in getting involved in e-commerce. It would be, I I think it's one of the best ways uh, to start an entrepreneurial journey uh, while having a job or starting out. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Josh Peak, uh, on Facebook at Official Josh Peak, on Instagram at Josh Peak, and then also my website where all my podcasts and resources are at joshpeak.com. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. Hey everyone, welcome to the Josh Peak Show. I'm your host, Josh Peak, and with us today uh, is Austin Howard. Hey Austin, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, my friend. How about you? Hey, I'm doing really good. I'm glad we can finally do this, and um, I'm glad you're joining the podcast. I think my my listenership will really enjoy this. Um, Austin is um, in the e-commerce world, but he's an entrepreneur, and uh, I've gotten to spend a little bit of time with him on the phone and learning more and more about, uh, e-commerce. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things I'm going to, in 2020, I'll for sure be involved in heavily. Uh, but you know, you always surround yourself with people who can uh, teach you a little bit more and, and, uh, who knows a specific industry or a niche better than you. And so, uh, I'm glad to have Austin on here to teach all of us a little bit, uh, today. And so, um, again, I think you, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're coming on Austin. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me, man. And I know we're going to be able to bring a lot of value to everyone that's on the line. Sweet, sweet. Well, tell me a little bit. Uh, we talked about this yesterday and we talked about this in the past a little bit. So where did it all start for you? Um, I mean, where, where were you raised and, and then how did you kind of get into the the entrepreneurial world, the business world? Yeah, absolutely. So I was actually born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, um, to a family full of Saints fans. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then... From there, when I was about five years old, I actually moved to a little city called Arlington, Texas, mm-hmm. which is where I was raised. I stayed out there until I was about 22, um, did a lot, went through a lot of different phases. And then when I really got involved in entrepreneurship was I had a lot of friends that were graduating. And I realized that usually when people graduate, they're faced with one and two choices. Choice one, go get a job and stay there for a while (laughs) or choice number two is to go to college and for for myself neither of those options really fit my life plan and where I saw myself five ten twenty years down the road so I really didn't know what to do and eventually I got involved in a industry called network marketing I worked a sales job for a while before that got involved in network marketing had some success there lots of ups and downs and then just through connections, went on to start a healthcare company in 2017, which generated $1.9 million in revenue. 
um, its first year, and I was able to basically bootstrap that. And after that, I really just got passionate about investing, and that kind of leads me to where I'm at now. Yeah, so um, so where you're at now is, I mean, you're involved in some investing uh, some investing endeavors as well as e-commerce. I mean, should we call it e-commerce? I mean, when, when we're talking about uh, owning a Shopify store, a, um, you know, an Amazon store or an eBay store would that, cause I mean, like we've talked about, there's different kinds of what they would call e-commerce. I mean, there's drop shipping and you had mentioned there's arbitrage. This would be considered e-commerce still, right? The owning a store, right? Yeah, absolutely. So e-commerce is kind of like the category, right? So any sales that happen online is considered e-commerce, mm-hmm. right? Um, so as of right now, I don't really have to tell anyone because they can look around and see a lot of brick and mortar retail locations are going out of business. I remember growing up, my favorite place was Toys R Us and now they declared bankruptcy. <laughs> yep. So yep. the world's changing at an extremely rapid pace. So a lot of people when it's kind of, there's always waves and there's always trends and there's always new technological advances. So e-commerce was something that was bound to happen. Uh, it fits what we like our needs as human beings. We like stuff now, especially my generation. So e-commerce, it would still be considered e-commerce is just a specific category under the bigger umbrella of online sales. Yeah. Um, well, so let's talk a little bit about the different, um, so when we're talking eBay stores versus Amazon stores versus uh, Shopify stores, can you talk a little bit about the difference in that? I mean, because where I'm—I'll just say this: where I'm interested right now, after talking to you for a, you know for a good amount of time, um, and I was introduced to Austin. By the way, everybody listening, I was introduced to Austin by Molly Trotter, who I did a podcast with early, earlier in this uh, you know in the journey of podcasting. And so, but Molly introduced me to um, Austin. And uh, I was interested in looking at a Shopify store, but then right after that, uh, eBay, um, you know, through a relationship Austin has, really, really caught my attention. And I think that's the direction I'm probably going to be going. My wife's interested in that as well. But I personally, I would like to have a, I would like to have one of each at some point. I'd like to have a portfolio of e-commerce uh, stores. But can you kind of tell a little bit of the difference between those three um, avenues? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, the first cases of e-commerce is brick and mortar businesses making their websites, right? Mm-hmm. So say there is Lowe's and they start selling online, that's considered e-commerce. Now for, for people that maybe don't have a brick and mortar company, there have been platforms that popped up where they can generate substantial revenue on and just use their backbone, their marketplace, their infrastructure, which is the three most common and three of the biggest are the three you mentioned. There's Amazon, there's eBay, and there's Shopify. So it's really changed a lot of dynamics when it comes to business. Because before, let's say you were selling jewelry. A lot of people, what they would do is they'd have overhead, they'd get their rent, they'd do all these things to have a brick and mortar location. Now they can take that same money and drop it into online advertising and they never even need a brick and mortar location. They can just ship So a lot of people are actually transitioning their businesses to one of those platforms or a combination of those platforms. Even if they build their own website, they can actually do that on the Shopify um, platform. They can build basically their own storefront. So 
there's tons of entrepreneurs right now. I've heard a statistic. There's over, I believe it was over a million people are making over a million dollars a year in gross revenue selling on Amazon alone. Wow. So it's definitely times, what do they say? Times are changing, right? So there's definitely been a lot of changes. Um, Now, as someone that has sold on all three platforms, I can tell you just like, just like in different businesses, there's different differences in different industries it's same on the it's the same thing on these platforms there there's amazon ebay and shopify amazon mm-hmm. is obviously the giant i mean jeff bezos is the richest documented man in the world right now with a net worth i believe of close to 100 billion dollars as we speak somewhere right around there so amazon's the one that everyone knows even my mom is buying on amazon and it's a great platform now some of the differences to be aware of when you're deciding which platform you want to sell your own products on or use other people's products, which we'll get into later in Dropship, which I'll break that down for you guys. But you have to be aware of the pluses and minuses of each platform. So Amazon obviously is a huge platform. Because they're huge, they also have their own merchant account. And their merchant account will hold your funds for two weeks. So that's one of the things to be aware of is you kind of have to still, you have to ship the products even though your funds and your profit may not be released for two weeks. So that's one of the things I look for. Uh, Shopify, you can set up your own merchant accounts. A lot of people use PayPal and Stripe as their merchants on there. Uh, Shopify is adding a lot of new ones you can integrate with. And then eBay actually owns PayPal. So eBay's preferred payment processor is PayPal. These are just things you look for so you're aware of what you're getting into and what to expect when you're deciding which or multiple one or many platforms that you would like to sell on online. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, let me just ask you this. So on eBay, for example, I mean, you could get, I mean, since they're with PayPal, do you get paid, uh, do you get paid, you know, like uh, instantly then, Uh, or is, or is there a holding period? What, what type of, yeah, I mean, because you said like Amazon, there's a holding period. So is there a holding period with eBay or is it just, is it instantaneously? Yeah. So that's actually depends on your relationship with PayPal. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is I've used PayPal for various businesses. Um, so if you build up a reputation with PayPal, just like if you build up a relationship with almost any other merchant, they tend to treat you better than a brand yep. new account because they know you're legitimate, Right. So on eBay, if you ha- once you have that relationship, a lot of times you'll, you'll be able to instant transfer those funds. Now, of course, they charge a small fee for that. Yep. But when you're scaling a business, the difference between floating one day versus floating two weeks can be extremely important when you're scaling your products, services, or drop shipping or any of the above if you're selling on the platform. Mm-hmm. So these stores that you and I have talked about, um, you don't really hold, you're not holding any inventory. Um, but you basically you've got a store and, and you've got a group of guys or a team that can build these stores out and as well as do the marketing. Uh, but then the only difference is with this, I mean, like say I or anybody else that wanted to own a store, we don't have to gain a lot of knowledge on this. If you, I mean, we basically have to come to a person like you or your team to build that out. And then um, they handle the marketing and the refunds, this, that, and the other. Is that, is that correct? 
That is correct. So I think a good place to kind of start with that is my own experience. So a big, and this is just something people can apply right now um, when it comes to how they evaluate growing their entrepreneurial journey, right? So Grant Cardone talks about, he calls it pivoting within the same niche. So for example, I generated my first substantial amount of revenue in the healthcare telemedicine industry. Now, I knew I wanted, I saw two major waves at the time. I saw cryptocurrency and I saw Mm e-commerce. And I myself, I am not, they have that saying, you can be a jack of all trades, but you'll be a master of none, right? Right. So I knew I didn't want to take away time from my primary income, but I knew I wanted to make money in these other industries. So I started looking at solutions. And I know Robert Greene talks about mastery. It takes 10,000 hours to be a master of anything. I said, man, I don't have or want to put in 10,000 hours because there's going to be a lot of trial and errors, just like any other business. If you think any business is a straight line going up, then I'm sorry, but that's just never how it works. There's True. always things that you're not going to expect. And that's why the entrepreneurial journey is extremely rewarding because it transforms you into a better person. You learn how to deal with these things. But I digress. When it comes to e-commerce specifically, I want to get involved in the industry, but I did. I knew that if I thought it was going to be as simple as finding some products on a retailer, listing them, shipping them, and it was just going to be a walk in the park, I was at least smart enough to know that's not how it was going to work because <laughs> I knew yeah. that there was a learning curve just like any other industry. So what I actually found is I actually found several friends of mine who were actually running automated e-commerce businesses. So I looked at it almost like a franchise, right? Because we all know you can buy a franchise or a business and box. You could go buy a Subway franchise. You're paying for a system that already works. So I took the same approach to my e-commerce journey. I said, I'm going to become very knowledgeable on how e-commerce works, but I don't want to be the one running the day-to-day operation. So I paid a upfront fee, just like I'm purchasing a franchise, but unlike buying a Subway franchise where I become a employee of my own business here, I actually comes with employees that were already trained, a system already in place. And my day-to-day workload was so small. It was, I was able to generate revenue in e-commerce without taking my focus off my primary income stream. Smooth, smooth. I like it. Um, well, that, that's, and that's something that like when Molly introduced me to you, that was a thing that I was, you know, her and I had talked about because both of us had been in network marketing. I own a digital agency uh, where I work with, you know, U.S. congressmen and then a portfolio of companies. But you're always looking to diversify. And when I heard about this, I'm like, you know, this is something not only that I want to do for myself. Eventually, I'd like for my, you know, my wife, my kids to be able to do it as well. Um, but then eventually, I wanted to be able. I wanted to be able to share this too with my listening audience because. I know there's folks that listen to this. That are mostly the people who listen to my show are entrepreneurs. Uh, they're people that uh, own their own business and, and they also want to diversify too. So this is, this is something I knew they would be interested in and hearing about. And so, um, and so that's kind of the, I think that's the direction I'm going to go for sure is, is I, I want to own an eBay store first and then obviously use that profit to buy other stores with. Um, so what are, you know, what other things would, would, if someone wanted to get involved in this or they wanted to own their own quote unquote type franchise or this type of a business model, what should they know or what should they expect? 
Yeah, and that's a great question. So the thing I love about it is it's still your business. Mm-hmm. It's just you're getting the ultimate employees already wrapped into the franchise, right? So I've, how I view it is it's a digital asset. So I think when you evaluate any investment, you should really look at, one, the transparency, two, the risk and rewards, the ROI, the scalability. Um, and these are just some of the things you want to look for when you're evaluating anything because sometimes things sound great uh, and they're not. And sometimes things don't sound as great, but they're fantastic. So just me having invested probably over half a million dollars of my own capital at this point, if not more into various investments, I kind of have my own criteria I look for. So with this, I like it because it's transparent. It is your business. I said, obviously, I'm not giving tax or legal advice, but just like any other business, I always suggest people open up a business entity. Um, For this, the LLC is what I use, right? So you have your LLC and the profits are actually hitting your bank account. So after the franchise is essentially purchased or the digital asset, as I call it, then there is some initial setup uh, steps that need to be taken, such as you have to make your account with the suppliers that the team uses. You have to make sure that everyone has the same login information. You basically just have to set up the system and put a card on file to fulfill the day-to-day orders. So before I kind of go into the day-to-day orders, I think a good spot to start would be what is dropshipping. Because I think a lot of people kind of get it, but they don't. Because they get Mm -hmm. dropshipping confused with a lot of different ways that people sell online. So what I love about dropshipping is, like I said, brick and mortar or a lot of these other business models, you have to buy inventory. So you're you're spending money in hopes of selling the product at a higher cost than you bought it for to turn a profit, right? So with dropshipping, it's a little different. You know where to buy the product, but you're not buying the product until a customer buys the product from you. So they place the order with you, they pay you, and then you go to where you get the product cheaper, you type in their shipping information they just gave you, and you ship it directly to the client. So you never have to have a large warehouse or a ton of inventory sitting around because you're only buying as people buy from you. Mm-hmm. So is that so? Whenever these uh, these quote unquote employees or whatever these people that are working on your behalf, do they do that? Do they are they the ones who put process those orders and and make sure it's shipped? I mean, the shipping and everything, or is the person who owns a store? Is it their job once that money comes and they got to go find? They know where it's the the cheaper product is and they go and and. Uh, and have it shipped. I mean, who's, who, who does that? No. So the team actually does that on the business owner's behalf. Right. 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 Yeah. So what I, another just piece of advice I can say from my experience in business in general is you always have to look at, uh, what people are incentivized to do because people are going to do, they're going to follow the money. That's how the whole economy works is people do things because they're incentivized to get paid. So when it comes to this business model, it's no different. The team actually will receive 30% of net profit. So they want your store to succeed because Mm -hmm. their revenue is tied to your revenue. So when it comes to -to day-to-day operations, they're actually going to find the products. They're going to look at the margins to make sure it makes sense in the business model. They're going to list the products on your behalf. They're going to deal with customer support. They're going to use... They know how the algorithms work on Amazon, eBay, or Shopify, depending on which one. 
They know how to drive traffic to your product, get you ranked, get you reviews, all these various things that come into the business that people don't think of. Because when you mm-hmm. explain dropshipping, people are like, oh, this is great. I'll just go find this product, list it, and I'll sell a thousand orders and I'll be rich tomorrow. I think that's a major misconception. Just like when people saw Bitcoin, everyone's like, just buy Bitcoin and you'll be rich. Yeah. But there's usually a lot more that goes into these things. Same with e-commerce, right? So the team actually knows the ins and outs and they'll actually run the day-to-day operations and make sure that your store is scaling properly, customers are happy, and that you're actually consistently growing your business's gross revenue month after month after month. Sweet. Yeah. No, I love it. I love the concept of it. And uh, I think that's, I think, so that's a problem I think with network. Well, there's many problems in network marketing that I see. Uh, I like network marketing. I love the model of network marketing, but when it comes to number one ownership, when it comes to the, the owners and the people running the company, most of them have no, they have no business running a company, but, but there's so many other things, but if you, if you become successful in network marketing or in any business for that matter, then I think it'd be crazy not to be looking at something diversification when it comes to e-commerce, when you've got this type of a model that you're talking about. No one really talks about it. You know, they're, they're, they're all just talking about, let's go make a million and a half dollars and be a millionaire a day after tomorrow. They're not talking about what to actually do with the money once you have it. Um, and so it's good to meet people like you who do understand that. And, you know, and, and talk, and I won't keep going a whole long time here, but talk a little bit about, some other things that you're doing besides just this, um, you know, I, I know you and I have talked about you, you deal with some major investors down in Dallas and, and some things of that nature. Where are you at now and where do you look to go? I mean, are you looking to do some, some pretty big projects in the investing world? Or Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. And I think you said something that's really key, that if someone takes a note on almost anything, they should take a note on this, which is what do you do after you're making money, right? Because the thing is, so many people can't even fathom, and it's not our fault. We've been programmed by society to believe that trading time, for tra- spending time equals money. Where when you're an entrepreneur, time does not equal money. Results equal money. Mm. So when it comes to what do you do after you start making money, When I hit my first five figures in a month through entrepreneurship, it was unbelievable, right? Because I, to fathom I could do that without clocking in and trading time for money blew my mind when it happened. Now, from there, I was faced with a very big problem is what do I do next? And I think a lot of people, they chase shiny objects, right? And they want to, and I did, I had the right idea, which is keep expenses low Because there's a gap, and they talk about this in a lot of financial books. There's a gap, and wealth is made in the gap because it's what you do with that gap between what your expenses are and what your revenue is, is what you choose to do with that money that will determine if you're just rich or if you become wealthy. So, when it came to investing, I actually looked at a lot of things, and I was young, I was 22, and I was making fairly good money, especially for my age. So, a lot of people started approaching me with all sorts of investment opportunities. I realized most investment opportunities fell into one of two categories. There was category one, which is high reward, but comes with extremely high risk. That was my startup investing, which I did a lot of. And you have to realize if you're investing in a startup, you're really investing in a concept because they don't have proof of concept yet. So you're investing in a concept and the CEO's ability to deliver on that concept. 
because they don't have, it's not proven yet. And a lot of times it's not backed by assets. Mm -hmm. So the other reverse side of the coin, which a lot of people see, is they get uh, brought these opportunities that are very low risk, which is your life insurance policies, your Roth IRAs, all these things, which are not bad at all. But when you're young, especially, I think it's good to have a diversified portfolio. And that's something I always preach. That's why when people always ask me, what do you prefer, Amazon, eBay, Shopify? I say, they're different. I have my preferences. But at the end of the day, if you, I'd rather have one of each than have three of one mm -hmm. because it allows you to diversify. So I, uh, as far as what does the future hold, I will continue to stay in the investing space and I will continue to grow my primary revenue streams as well because they go hand in hand. And I think once you start making money, I call it the offense and the defense. Your offense being your investments and your assets. Your, what you're choosing to do with the money, you're sending it out and saying, come back with more money. Your defense is equally, if not more important, which is your bookkeeping, your legal team, your corporate structures, your tax strategies, all these things that people don't even think about because they're so focused on making money. And when they do, they were not prepared for that money. And a lot of entrepreneurs slip up after they start making money because they weren't prepared to deal with their offense and their defense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And I, and I've heard it put that way before. Um, so if you were going to recommend, um, if you're going to recommend a book or books, what would you recommend uh, for someone who was an entrepreneur wanting to learn how to invest, learning to do what you do? What are, what is a good book or plural? What is, some books that you would recommend? That's a fantastic question. One book I always recommend that was extremely powerful for me was Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon mm. Hill. Yep. That book actually doesn't necessarily talk as much about the investing side, but it really gets you in the concept of not wanting to drift. So in the book, they refer to drifters as people that just take whatever life hands them. And, I, and going back to the example I used, a lot of entrepreneurs, once they have some level of success and they hit their short-term goals, they start drifting. They stop learning. They stop growing. And they kind of take what life hands to them. So the first thing is, and I know I'm not alone in the entrepreneur community when I say this, but if your mindset's not right, nothing else will ever be right. So as far as mindset, I strongly suggest that book. It's actually helped me in various aspects of my own life as well. So that's a book I always recommend to people. As far as investing... I, I'm a firm believer, like you said, find the people that are good at what they do and also realize that just because they're good at one thing doesn't mean they're good at everything. And that is okay. So, I mean, obviously Warren Buffett, he has a track record with investing. I, he has a different investment strategy than myself personally. And I noticed through my mentors that have done a lot of stuff in investing, one of my mentors, uh, his name is John. He lives in Austin, Texas. He has a nine-figure net worth. And I talked to him. I'm like, so what? how do you invest? He, just, he only does private equity. He says, when mm. I go out of my lane and I try stocks, Forex, or these other things, I myself do not have success because that's not my lane with investing. That's another thing you'll notice with a lot of these investors is they find their lane, whether it's stocks, Forex, private equity. And they stick in those lanes. And if they're doing something outside of the lane, instead of them mastering this whole new investment strategy, they find the experts in that strategy and work alongside them, like I did with e-commerce, 
to make money in that aspect of investing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's good. I, uh, yeah, I like, uh, and I like, I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett. Um, I think most people think he's diversified, but he really hones in on his specific areas. I mean, he's not as diversified as most people would think. I mean, he goes, when he goes at something, he, he goes with a, kind of a rifle approach. Um, I like Carl Icahn too. Carl Icahn is amazing. You know, um, he's a very, very interesting guy. And, and I like how he, you know, more activist investing is what he calls it. But there's some, which a lot of people would say, well, is that kind of like hostile takeover? It's sort of, but uh, Carl Icahn is, he, you know, him and Buffett both have the winning percentage of those two are amazing. Um, and so, but anyways, no, I like, uh, I like what you've, uh, what you brought uh, to the podcast. I mean, this, I knew you would, I knew people would learn a lot and I've learned a lot. I could probably talk to you for hours. Um, one last question. Um, well, a couple, couple questions actually. So when it comes to, uh, when it comes to information, where do you get most of your information from when you're studying podcast, audio books, uh, YouTube, where do you, I mean, the first place that you're going to go, if you're going to go start looking for information, where do you go? So ironically, I like, I'm a big fan of podcasts, mm-hmm. which is obviously ironic because we're on a podcast right now. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic way to learn. And obviously you do a great job of asking the right questions, getting to the root of everything. So I love podcasts because you're able to have a short little information blurb and go take action on it. Right. Um, I also like audiobooks because a lot of people, they have different learning styles. So I like audio. Now, mm-hmm. what I personally do when I'm, lear- when I'm trying to learn a new thing is I like audio, especially if it's also coupled with video. So audio and video. And then I also take notes. So yeah. I'm hitting multiple aspects of my brain. So I'm hearing it, I'm seeing it, and I'm also writing it so I remember it better. So that's one of the ways I learn. Um, and another thing that has helped me is I really learn what I want to learn at that time. So what I mean by that is when I did, I actually decided to really learn cryptocurrency because I thought it was extremely interesting. Now, I'm not by any means the best trader, but what I did is I started any industry I want to get into, I find the experts and I study that industry specifically for an extended period of time doing the things I said, the listening, the seeing, and the taking notes. Because a lot of people, they just absorb information to absorb information. And obviously, if you're absorbing the right information, it's still helpful. But I'm a big believer when, because I actually, growing up, I know me and you have talked about previously, I was homeschooled, I went to private school, I went to public school, then I went back to private school, then I was homeschooled again. So I had a wide, a very wide channel of ways that I learned. And for me, it when I wanted to change habits about myself, because this was even before entrepreneurship, when I want to change habits about myself, I got into personal development when I was in sixth grade from listening to podcasts. And I would actually listen to it. I would take notes and then I would go find ways to apply the information instantly. So it got ingrained in my subconscious mind and became part of who I am and my blueprint because everything comes down to your blueprint. That's pretty interesting. So that was going to be the last question I had for you was, you know, you've been homeschooled, public schooled, private schooled. It's, it's becoming a huge topic. And I think it's becoming a big topic because people are seeing it that number one is, is, is college worth the price tag? Well, if you're going to be an attorney, if you're going to be a surgeon, if you're going to be an architect or 
you know, I've always said going to college for me as a business person may have been worth if I would have went to an Ivy league because I'm sitting next to a kid whose dad's a hedge fund manager or owns a business. And so for that matter, yeah, it could, for the contacts, it could be worth it for the, the professors teaching theory. No, I don't think it's worth it. Um, you know, but the other thing, you know, in a, in a, in a university setting, I think they should, I think it's, to me, it's a broken model. And, um, I think you're seeing more and more people your age saying, I'm at least taking one year off and going to, I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to do whatever. But a lot of millennials are, are not going to college. They don't want the student loan debt. They're not buying houses. Instead, they're living in, you know, Airbnb or they're, they're leasing. They're not buying the big expensive cars and whatever, but they're entrepreneurs and they're, I wouldn't say frugal, but they're definitely resourceful. Um, so are you seeing that? I mean, are you seeing that too? Are you seeing that there is, I think people are seeing, you know, they're looking at it and going, wait a minute. I mean, college, it was, it was sold to my generation, the, the, um, generation X, uh, and maybe even generation Y and that, that type of thing. But there's not, I mean, there's a ton of college graduates, not a whole lot of jobs. And now we're going to have AI, we're going to have automation. We're going to have a lot of things that's going to take away those jobs. So are you seeing people, uh, I guess, is there a trend of people your age not going to college or, and wanting to be an entrepreneur instead, saying, instead of the $100,000, $150,000 student loan debt, I'd rather go and, and put that money into a business? Absolutely. And that's a great question and something I'm actually extremely passionate about. So when it comes to, ironically, Outwitting the Devil as well, the same book, it really hits on what I was saying about learning. And I think it's really important to not ever go through the motions and to truly think, know yourself, know what you want and find out how to get there. I think a lot of people do a lot of things because it's the norm. It's programmed in society. Growing up, what do we see? You get your 401k, you work for 40 years, hopefully retire, even though inflation is incredible right now. Um, And you just do this thing because it's culturally acceptable. And I think it's really important to, like you said, if you want to be a doctor, you have a, a concrete purpose and you find your roadmap to that purpose. You put the action steps and then you take those action steps. But I think a lot of people, even sticking with that example and taking it further, let's say you do want to become a doctor, truly find out why you want to become a doctor. And I think that's some, it's, there's a, I think it's on the Ted talk. Is you can always find the root cause by if you keep asking the questions, why? Mm-hmm. So if you say, if you want to be a doctor, why do you want to be a doctor? Oh, because blah, blah, blah. And you might find out one, a couple reasons. You might find out their parents wanted them to, which if that's the case, I don't suggest it. If they say, why do you want to be a doctor? Because I want to make a lot of money. Well, there's other ways to make money. And you might be passionate about music, but you want to be a doctor to make that money when there's other ways to make the money and still do your passion. Now, if I yeah. said, why do you want to be a doctor? Because growing up, I saw all these kids and they didn't have access to someone that could take care of them. I want to really make an impact in the healthcare community. Then, okay, that is a true why and you should pursue it. So I think a big question that a lot of people have to ask is, I felt for that one year, like you said, I, took, I did take a year off. I worked entry-level sales till I found out what I was passionate about. I did, I did well. I excelled at what I was doing. But the reason I took the year off is I said, I don't want, 
I don't want to go to college unless I know it's what is the path for me. And I'm going to examine the information. I'm going to make a conclusion myself based on the information presented and my goals. And I decided personally it wasn't for me. Now, same thing. I said, well, I don't want to work a hourly job because I don't feel like I'm challenging myself. And that's part of what makes, that's part of my blueprint. That's what makes me feel alive is challenging myself. So I think it's really a question um, of just ask yourself why and find out why you want to do things. And then let's say you really want to be a graphic designer. Find the experts in graphic design, study them, apply the information. Because I think me and my girlfriend actually talk about this all the time is a lot of people, they say, I don't want to go college. I want to be an entrepreneur. And that's completely okay. That was what I did. But same, I challenge the people that say that as well. Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And if you're not going to go to college, you can't just say I'm an entrepreneur and use it as an excuse to say I'm not going to do anything because I'm an entrepreneur. You right. always have to give 110% in whatever you do, whether it's college, whether it's a job, a sales job, or entrepreneurship. But truly, if you realize if you're going to embark on the entrepreneur journey, is the most rewarding thing you will ever do, not just because of the money, but because of who it makes you become. But there will be ups and downs at every level. I don't care if you've made a million dollars, you will have ups and downs. Yeah. And it's beautiful. But you just have to realize that you can't just say, I want to be an entrepreneur and then sit on your butt. You have to go and attack it just like you were going to college. You have to study like you were going to college. You have to apply. You have all these same basic principles still apply if you're an entrepreneur, working job, or going to college. Mm -hmm. So last question, then I'll, we'll, uh, we'll end it. Um, do you see it being a trend? Do you see it more and more people because the public school systems have broken model, they're broke financially, but also from a, from a, a model standpoint, they're a broken model. Uh, do you think that you're going to start seeing more parents homeschool their kids? Um, I mean, I, I mean, I, well, the answer is, I mean, the number is already up, so th that's happening, but do you see it being a bigger trend or do you see, maybe the public school systems, uh, maybe them trying to change their model? So that's a great question. And you actually brought it up, brought up an interesting point earlier with AI as well. And, you all, and kind of going, tying everything full circle, I also mentioned it when it came to business incentives. The call, Sally May, who writes the student loans, it's crazy that you can get approved for a $100,000 student loan, but you can't get approved for a $100,000 business loan. Mm -hmm. So... I think a lot of people are realizing that it's a major business and there's a lot of money in it. And I think a lot of, I think we are going to see a shift and we are seeing a shift right now in the way education is done because there's a lot of entrepreneurs with AI coming, a lot of jobs, I mean, not to pull an Elon Musk, but a lot of jobs will become irrelevant. So the people that are going to thrive are going to be the people that don't feel sorry for themselves, but become entrepreneurs in this huge revolution and truly um, go ahead and find out how to build a business out of the global shift that is happening. So with the rise in entrepreneurs, I believe there will be a rise in al alternative education. Because for me, when I became an entrepreneur, I, started, I found out I was lied to by, about a lot of things. And about the way the world works a lot of times. And everything's not as clear as it seems. There's a lot of reasons that things are the way they are in a lot of social programming. So when I became aware of a lot of the of and found out, hey, I can do become an entrepreneur, it made me question a lot of things. I started thinking very constructively. 
I think that mindset will pass on to the next generation because I'm going to raise my kids with personal mentors in specific fields that can teach them things. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that the short answer is I think, yes, there will be, we'll continue to see people exploring alternative education. I know that the rising entrepreneurs and people thinking critically because they're fed up of being sick and tired. They're sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I think a lot of people are really going to start challenging the system. Because if you look at human history, my dad always says history repeats itself. You see that every time people get fed up, there's a change. And I believe that right now we're starting to see that global shift and people starting to say, why do I believe this? Do I believe this because it's what I believe or do I believe it because I was socially programmed to believe it? I think the rise of that will change the – will correlate with the rise of alternative education a good answer well that's what my wife's thinking too i mean my wife didn't go to college but she's an entrepreneur she owns her own business and so she didn't have to break the thinking that was taught in a college you know what i mean she didn't have to go and and some people have to you have to go through a phase where you gotta break what you were taught and and i think in some ways college hurts entrepreneurial uh, the entrepreneurial mind because because you have to think completely different like you're saying you have to Use a Socratic method. You have to you have to question your way to the answer. And she's always been like, well, "Why go to why go to college to make the to make the uh, the connections like at Columbia or Harvard or Yale when you could take that same the same amount of money? You could go to a Grant Cardone conference, or you could go to a, a ad tech conference, or you can go to all these tech conferences and whatever or whatever you know your space is and as an entrepreneur." And you can go meet the people that are there that are already having success. Why? I mean, if, if you're going for connections, then why are you going to conferences instead of a college? Absolutely. And I will say that that is a fantastic point. I also will say, though, at conferences, same thing. You have to always, always think critically. Now, the good thing about conferences is going – I have a lot of my buddies that have all been hitting me up recently saying, I just got this amazing new uh, – connection through this conference I went like I had a buddy go Bob Proctor uh, he paid for Bob Proctor's inner circle and through one of the connections he met there not only did he give wisdom but through the network he's going to make another multiple six figures through the connection he made of being someone like-minded so I think it's always I just urge people on anything they do to think critically I'm on the same boat as you with I love conferences I've met some of my best friends at conferences I I'm no longer in the network marketing industry, but I met some amazing people that were goal-driven, striving for the same end result through network marketing. So I think that is really the more you do and the more you step out and get uncomfortable, the more you're really going to find yourself. I think that's what it's really all about is once you know who you are and you know what your end goal is, you can start carving away at all those pieces that we think are ourselves, but aren't really ourselves. And conferences are a great way to do that, especially I do always suggest, and this is something I learned from myself, is like I said, there's different ups and downs at different levels. And I noticed myself when I had some success at a conference, I might not engage as much because I had an ego. And if you, I suggest whatever you do, and that was, that was a mistake, I suggest whatever you do, whether you're at a conference, pursuing a business, you give it everything you have and you play all out because you'll never yep. have this day again. And yep. you, if you want to meet people that are playing all out, you attract who you are. So that's why personal development and these, and what you're doing with the podcast and what all these 
people are doing by spreading awareness is so powerful because they're attracting like-minded people who are then creating more like-minded people and attracting more like-minded people and is really creating a global shift. And I think at, if you look at the forefront of any technological, societal, any true advances, it was all started by entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. So I think it's extremely important to play all out, become, a, become the best version of yourself and attract like-minded people around you because your tribe picks you up when you're down and they not only pick you up when you're down, they cheer for you when you're at top and they push you to the next level if they truly have your best interests at heart. That's good. Well, again, I appreciate you coming on here, Austin. Uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you, um, what, like in terms of social media, where can they find you on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook? Where, where's the best place to uh, connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say just uh, anyone that wants to get in touch, they can always reach out to me on Instagram. And if they want, they can just uh, shoot me a DM saying, hey, I heard about you through Josh Peak Show. I'd love to talk to anyone. Um, Instagram tends to be a great way to connect with people. Um, For me personally, Facebook has a little friend limit. (laughs) So it just gives me the, it tends to be the easiest way for me to get that personal interaction would be Instagram. Cool. Um, I'm going to put a link up on, in the, on this podcast and the notes, uh, if they're interested in e-commerce, uh, I'll put a link down there to where they can uh, learn more. And, uh, we'll put that, we'll put that in our iTunes, Spotify, also my website. I'll put, I'll put it in the notes. So, uh, so anybody listening to this, you'll be able to uh, learn more about e-commerce if that's what you're interested in. Uh, Austin, again, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, we'll be, we'll be talking soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Josh. You have a blessed day. Thank you. You too.